Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I did a couple really nice things over the last week in Washington that I did not know about. Because it's so terrible. It's just like so much disgusting news. I can't even watch two seconds of it. I was on a call yesterday and someone said, I had a root canal today and I don't know which was worse, the root canal or the news I watched oh, no. after the root canal. This is a friend of mine. Anyway, so that's basically the mood in Washington right now. But two local things that folks should check out. One is there's this field of sunflowers. Did you know about this field of sunflowers in western Montgomery County, Poolsville? It's like a public hunting ground. So there's just public. You can go. There's no nothing. There's no bathroom. No People aren't hunting stand. right now, presumably. No, but you do see shells on the, <laughs> on the ground. But it's just like 30 acres of wild sunflowers. Well, not wild. Somebody planted them. Of sunflowers. And you can walk in between them. And there are people doing like photo shoots. There's like There was like a goth girl doing like a photo shoot. And the sunflowers are like two gals. Mm, I like that interesting contrast. Dress. I know. It was good, right? Would Daria have ever done a photo shoot <laughs> I don't know. We'll in have to the sunflower field? <laughs> we'll have to ask the person who uh, said in their iTunes review that I reminded them of Daria. but um, Which I think is the greatest, highest praise. I I'm know, so excited about it that. It was. It was definitely great. <laughs> College Margie would have totally been psyched. Um, and, uh, and there were like other gals doing like professional photo shoots. There was like a couple with a guy who was like like drinking wine straight out of the bottle with no shirt on. I mean, they were all kind of, and then there were like families like ours, like looking for like a wholesome place to sneak some photos. And um, maybe shirtless wine guy, it was like a stock photo thing. Like, like somehow this is going to wind up in like a PowerPoint we give three years from now. Shirtless wine guy in the sunflower right, field. Right. Maybe it's part of like the wine. <laughs> if, if seeing the polling numbers for wine, maybe they're like, you know what we need? More shirtless dudes in the su- in sunflowers drinking wine straight probably out of the not. bottle. <laughs> probably not the answer. Um, the, so that was one thing. And then the other thing is Story District, which is on Georgia Avenue. And people go, you know, like the Moth podcast. The folks who listen to this and live in Washington this May who've listened to the Moth and other podcasts where people do like personal storytelling and it's like like personal essay, but they give, you know, deliver it in like a stand-up monologue. 
And so story districts where people go take classes to develop their story and then present it. And so a friend of mine did the class and I went to go hear his story. And there were, there were all these other stories before and they do it all the time. And it was so lovely. Like everyone's story was, you know, it, they were all really like emotional and personal. I mean, some of them were really raw and raw in terms of emotion and some of them were less so. But it was just I, – I loved hearing everybody's story. My friend did a really fantastic job. Um, I'm not going to like tell about his whole thing unless he wants me to. But um, I highly recommend either taking it or going to visit one of your friends. They also have shows where people like to kind of stand up storytelling. So that's super cool. And there's a beer garden right next door. So anyway. Oh, well, now you now I'm in. Right. Now, now you've sold me. <laughs> yeah, I, I also discovered fun in Maryland. Um, so uh, my reaction to not enjoying the news these days is that I keep fantasizing about st- starting a pepper farm. Yeah. Like growing hot peppers. Right. Which this is not the really the right climate for it. put one pepper in front of the other. Whatever. Right. Um, like I and so you have a dream, and you're not going to let anything like weather stand so in your at, way. So at some point, twenty years like, from now, <laughs> the weather may be right for peppers. That's right. I'm I am anticipating the climate change will turn <laughs> Maryland one day into a paradise for growing jalapenos. No, so I back like five years ago, I went to a media training thing, and it was at a woman's house out in a town called Deal, Maryland, D E A L E, and it's out like on the. Chesapeake kind of like – but it's – it's if you just get on Pennsylvania Avenue and you just go southeast for like 40 minutes, you're there. Mm-hmm. You hit the water and yep. you're there. Yep. And so it's it's like – it's very rural. Like you drive past lots of farms and it's just like uh, – I'm like Googling like buy small farm in Maryland. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> I don't know anything about this except for video games. Yes. But I can learn how to be a farmer. And went to a, a little restaurant. Farmville called, be like on your resume for your like apprenticeship. Yes, like. Farmville star, expe- <laughs> played over a hundred hours of Stardew Valley. Very experienced. No, um, it, but like to go to this restaurant, Skipper's Pier, which is you just order like crabs by the half dozen, and you sit around on a dock, and it's lovely. You know what that reminds me of, Margie? What reminds me of a reminds me of a song? Reminds oh, me no. of a song. Future United States oh. Senator Kid Rocks. Oh, I was having such a lovely time in my, in my imaginary Maryland world <laughs> where DC was not part of it. It was well, just guess, Maryland. Guess what? Kid Rocks coming to DC, Margie. <laughs> we'll get to that in the poll of the week. But first, this week's top lines. It may be an off, off year, but Virginia is still voting. We'll talk about some polls coming out of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Then Trump's election has gotten women, both Republican and Democratic, paying a little more attention to politics, which is good because we've also got some Pew data that has me saying, ladies, we got to get it together. Also, Margie and I hang out, but partisanship, it turns out, is putting a strain on many people's friendships. But you know what? Beer solves everything, and we've got the or polling wine. Or to wine. prove it. Or wine. We're See, this is, our, this is our partisanship know, right, right here. This is this where we really the problem. Blows. <laughs> um, first, the poll of the week or polls of the week. So there's been two state polls. So lots of states are of interest. Everyone obviously talks about national polls. But, of course, the big uh, thing going on right now is the battle for control of all kinds of things, House, Senate, different legislative chambers, governor's races. So there was a poll that came out about got, uh, Kid Rock. And I was going to say Guy Rock because I was looking at Richie, right? So his last <laughs> name is Richie Robert Kid Rock Richie. So there's this poll. One and- was married to Pamela Anderson. One was married to Madonna. It's different. 
Right. Okay. I'll have to put like a little post-it note, a little like heuristic and put in my Evernote so I can remember. No, I remember this. I just saw Richie and got confused. But um, so the question reads, this is by Delphi Analytica, a new firm, I, it sounds like, because I, I hadn't heard of them. It seemed like other folks hadn't heard of them either. But the question reads, on July 12th, 2017, Robert Kid Rock Ritchie declared his intent to challenge Debbie Stabenow for the United States Senate. If he wins a Republican nomination, who would you vote for? And a plurality said, I prefer not to answer. 30% Kid Rock, 26% Debbie Stabenow. And the internet was a flurry with comments about this, one being the very high, I prefer not to answer. Um, you know, it's... It, the way it's phrased, I prefer not to answer, is a little bit different than just like, I'm not sure, I don't know. The question that reads, you know, on this date, he announces intent, if he wins the Republican nomination, what are you going to do, is not kind of a standard vote question. It's not a standard way you'd ask the vote because you're kind of giving a little bit more information about Kid Rocks. It's not like, it's not an, it's not a, facsimile of what it's like to go into the ballot box and vote for Kid Rock it, versus Debbie Stabenow. It's different enough from the standard. If the election for U.S. senator were being held today in the state of Michigan, for whom would you be more likely to vote? Right. That's that's like right. your standard I know it's a long way off. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a long way off. But if the election were held today. And I mean, here are the things that people have to think about when we do polls. It's not simply like, I need a ballot test of Kid Rock versus Debbie Stabenow. You have to think, OK, in this state, um, how, what's on the ballot? Do you have the party of the candidates on the ballot? Do they get to add some other title, like in California, where I think we've talked about this in the show, but maybe we haven't talked about it in a while. But in California, you can put some kind of other label about your job. You know, you don't, can't do that in a lot of states. So I worked with a candidate who was an astronaut and, you know, somebody oh, that's tried, a strong card to play. Somebody challenged him. Bill like, Nelson plays that card in Florida all the time, but not on the ballot. Well, you you can wow. do it in California. And so <laughs> somebody challenged him. Like, well, he's not an astronaut right now. And so we released oh. a video of him in space, like in zero gravity, and with like these big letters that said. Jose Hernandez is an astronaut. <laughs> we won the challenge, not because of the video, but the video went viral. That, you know, it was very funny. So you have like, like there is a video of him in space, like he's an astronaut. So, um, so anyway, it's great. Um, that is different than, but you can't do that in every other state, right? So those are the things you have to think about when you are designing your ballot questions, did Delphi Analytica look into that when they designed this ballot question? Does this ballot question change the outcome um, because of the way they phrased it? We don't know the answer to that. What do you think when you look at this? Yeah, so I mean I I am guilty of having retweeted this if only for entertainment value and I should realize that I have a greater responsibility to not retweet potentially garbage polling just because it deeply entertains me because I – I'm actually – I am deeply amused by the idea of like Kid Rock and and I think dismissing the idea that he could win is crazy. I think it's absolutely possible. If you think Kid Rock cannot be a U.S. senator, I ask you, where have you been the last two years? <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't even – and, and like I think Kid Rock has the most – it is both a, a crass and like one of my favorite uh, – descriptions of Mitt Romney, which is that he is the most decent MRFer that you will ever meet. <laughs> like just Kid Rock's just whole thing. I'm I'm like, I'm 
I'm amused enough by it that I'm like, I'm kind of here for this. Now, he is not the only one running or potentially running. There's a, another Republican candidate who just announced very impressive guy, uh, you know, veteran like it's. So Kid Rock does not like have this all sewn up, of course. Kid Rock can't clear the primary. Yeah, right. But but um, th- so you know there is a, there are, I think interesting questions to be raised by. Okay, have we ever heard of this pollster before? And I had never heard of this pollster before. Um, Harry Enton at five thirty eight, you know, posted. Uh, you know, t- he and Nate Silver were tweeting about this. Be careful of retweeting pollsters you've never heard of. It's easy to start a website, post a fake poll, and get clicks. Harry follows up, especially websites that were started two weeks ago, don't have a phone number on it, people listed on it. Um, so it's, you know, always. Tony Fabricio, Trump pollster, says this not is not real. Yeah, you don't get such high and decided when both candidates are fairly well known. Um, although I do think that because of the structure of the question, it's possible. I can see it being possible that enough people said, I prefer not to answer. doesn't mean I'm not undecided. It doesn't mean I'm undecided. It right. means I prefer not to right, answer. Right, right. And there's no, like, push, you know, of the undecideds to who they lean, which other questions might have also. Yeah. But, and, and this sort of moves us into our the Virginia discussion, which is, you know, talking about when a new pollster emerges, how do you vet that information, right? Like Echelon Insights, my firm, we just started three years ago. That first time we ever released a poll, you know, we had to answer a lot of questions from reporter. you know, had to prove, hello, yes, I exist, and I've been doing this for X number of years, and here's my methodology. But, like, when you're new, there is skepticism, right? And you, there's a track record for some pollsters. It doesn't exist for or others. Or even when you're not new, look, the president obviously just, like, trashes venerable pollsters all the time. So. And, and venerable pollsters sometimes get it wrong all the time. But, you know, they're – so let's take Virginia. So in the Virginia primaries or in some of these special elections, there was a new firm, Change Research, that we talked about on the show – that we hadn't really heard of before. And yet they got – I think they got Montana right. I think they got Georgia 6 right. They got – they were the only pollster. They were a big outlier um, in the Virginia gubernatorial primary with Corey Stewart versus Ed Gillespie. All these other pollsters said Gillespie's got this by big margins. Um, you know, you had uh, – I think Post the, – the Post had a poll, Hampton. You had another newcomer to the polling world, uh, Image Research or Image Insights. Uh, that had Gillespie up by huge numbers, um, you know. So that was a mix of new and old pollsters who all kind of got that wrong. Where Change Research came out with this outlier that was right. Um, meanwhile, on the Democratic side, you know, you had pollsters saying that, well, uh, you know, you're going to have one candidate winning by uh, this is going to be a tight race on the Democratic side, and instead Northam won by double digits. So when new pollsters come out, that's Good. We should always have new people coming in and challenging things and trying new stuff. Just three years ago, Echelon was a new kid on the block. Disrupt the industry. But you have to be prepared to answer questions about who you are, why you're qualified to do this, and what you did to achieve your poll. And be ready to be judged on the track record. And if you've only ever put out one or two polls and those polls were garbage and they were wrong, then people have every right not to trust your data in the future. I think that is the – that's my stance on when a new pollster pops up is like it's not even trust but verify, but it's don't immediately dismiss them just because you've never heard of them because sometimes new shops are getting it right because they're doing something different. But that pollster should be prepared to answer a lot of questions. Right. I mean there's the APOR transparency initiative where they would like folks to disclose all kinds of stuff. And not everybody wants to disclose 
everything that APOR would like people to disclose. And I, I can understand that, but you need to be able to disclose something, right? And you also need to be prepared for people to be skeptical if you don't, if you aren't disclosing. But there's also always, to be fair, people who are, you know, are just going to – whatever you disclose, they want more because they were going to dismiss your poll because they don't like what it says. And this was true before we had a such a wise pollster analyst as president. There was always people doing that kind of thing for a long time. So um, – and that's – you know, or you could just listen to the pollsters and we'll give you – Give you some uh, give you some inside scoop. So speaking of Virginia, there was a Virginia poll that came out. So that was Michigan. So it was a Virginia poll that came out in uh, around the same time, and this was Monmouth, and we found it in the post, but it was Monmouth, and this had an interesting question wording too. So one, it shows the race tied 44-44 for Gillespie and Northam. Gillespie being the Republican, Northam being the Democrat. Um, they ask this follow up question, and we're going to talk about some of this stuff too because. Later on with some of the other Trump national questions is, you know, things that we want to know the answer to that are sometimes hard to actually glean from public polling. Um, or we may be asking people to report on something that they, you know, it, it's just maybe a little bit more complicated than, than folks may be able to articulate in these short questions. So they asked a question. Is Donald Trump a major factor, minor factor or not a factor at all in deciding how you vote for governor? And 60% roughly say not a factor, 26% say major, 14% say minor. It's not really clear. Well, one, I'm not sure if people can answer that properly, you know, because what are you saying? Are you saying, well, I think Gillespie is too tied to Trump or I don't think he's close enough to Trump. I think he's trying to run away from Trump, which, you know, there could very well be, you know, Stewart primary voters who feel that. Or, you know, it doesn't matter what Gillespie says or does about Trump. I'm just angry about Trump and that makes me, you know, want to vote and that's how I'm voting. I mean, there are all kinds of different ways you can get to an answer on that question. Or, you know, it's not a factor because I've been a Democrat or I've been a Republican for a billion years and so that's how I'm voting and so Trump's not a factor or this is a race for governor. And then they have a follow-up question to that where they re – if Trump was not a factor in your vote – in your vote choice, who would you support for governor? So that's asking people who said that Trump was a factor and say, okay, this is so confusing. So now I, who would you vote? If he wasn't a factor, then how would you vote? But, they, but they've already asked. So this is what I think is so bizarre about this. At the beginning of the poll, they ask a ballot. And right. they ask – they name the three candidates, Ed Gillespie, Ralph Northam, Cliff Hira. Then – like 10 questions down in the questionnaire, they ask this Trump question. They like introduce the name. And so maybe the point of the experiment is that they're just introducing the word Donald Trump into people's consciousness. Yeah. And saying, well, is Donald Trump, which I'm with you, I think you can't ask people to accurately assess. It's like saying, how much was television advertising uh playing a role in your decision right. to purchase product X. People are like, oh, I don't listen to ads. Or, I don't listen to ads. But like, of course the ad had a you – know, so it's – I think the way you would silly. do this if you were working for – I mean here's the thing that's the difference between public polling and internal private polling because if you – if your internal pollster for your private poll for your race did it this way, 
they would be wrong. For a public poll, you don't have 5,000 questions and, you know, that's just not how public polling works. So they're trying to do something different. They're trying to get an answer, which we all want to know, which is how much of Trump, you know, what's the role of Trump in the Virginia governor's race? That's what every political watcher wants to know. Totally legitimate question. It doesn't mean that this sort of way of asking a follow-up and then a recalculating, okay, well, if Trump wasn't a factor, then what you would, what would you do? And seeing if people move, you're kind of encouraging some people to move. People may not be moving. He may, Trump may be a factor in their voting, but he's just reinforcing where they currently are. It's not totally clear here. And that, but when they recalculate it, Gillespie gets a five point advantage. I'm just not sure if voters are fully tracking what the question is yeah. asking them to do. But internally, what you would do is you would have a series of questions about Gillespie and it would be, you know, Gillespie's good on the economy, too much of an insider, too close to Trump, not close enough to Trump, you know, gets me, you know, all American, whatever. And then you you would do some kind of like regression on or or some other kind of multivariate analysis or some way to figure out which one of these things impacts the vote, not like asking people to kind of calculate it all for you. Yeah, this is – I think this is at least explained in an extremely confusing manner. And I mean, look, you're asking people to give their opinion on something. Why then saying like, would Donald Trump influence your vote? Like, I guess I'm just it's asking for way too much of a bizarre hypothetical. Yeah. Wouldn't you assume that people's attitudes about Donald Trump are already baked into their yeah. initial assumptions right. about Gillespie and Nor- I, that's I just think this right. is I think it's a little silly. Right. But, you but know, maybe I'm just not understanding it properly. We appreciate, though, the effort because we know that this is the question everybody wants. Right. Will Trump pull down Gillespie? And look, Gillespie, you know, having had such a close call in the primary to an extremely Trumpy, far, far right, like, let's preserve the Confederate flag type candidate. Uh, you and know, Virginia being so tied to D.C.'s economy and media market, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I get the value of wanting to figure out how much is Trump having an influence in this. Totally. But like recalculating the ballot after you ask a question about Trump just seems kind of an odd way to go about it. So those are our polls of the week. That was just a little bit longer than we normally do. But, you know, we don't talk about the states that often and we should. And I, I guess, you know. Well, that's where the action is these that's days. That's where the action is. But speaking of action, Trumplandia. Uh, his approval rating at the moment, 38.9, according to the good folks at Huffington Post. The good folk <laughs> at Huffington Post poster. Uh, I'm sending the Mockingjay still, signal still right the, now to you, <laughs> Still the vampire. Um, so not not great. Hasn't been great the whole time. No. It's Being, gotten less It's gotten less it's great. Gotten le- it's about a point less great than it was last week. He needs to make his polling numbers great again. Wow, Margie. <laughs> I don't know when that time would be. <laughs> that's where that's where he is right now. 57% disapprove. It looks like it's trending kind of in the wrong direction for him. And then Stephen Shepard and Politico did this really cool thing where you can play around. And a couple different outlets are asking. I mean, look, all the polling right now is reflecting just this like, you know, this Trump craziness, right? Some, who I heard someone talk about him like thrashing around, right? Like it's just this, you know. The daily Trump craziness. And can he, can his numbers recover, right? This is this question that we get asked, where everybody's asking constantly. And so what the folks at Politico did um, is 
look at different subgroups and say, okay, what? how would he need to improve with different subgroups in order to get to 50% approval, right? He's over 50% disapproval. What would he need to do to get to just like a decent approval rating? And he would need to have conservatives go up to like 100%. Every single conservative would need to approve of him, for example. But you know how he's not going to get there? By being mean to Jeff Sessions. Right. <laughs> right? Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's – it's uh, obviously there's all kinds of ways he can't get there. I guess that's the point of this um, this exercise that uh, that or you Steve Shepard did. You can't. You really can't just get there by trying to win over one piece of the puzzle. Right. When you're this low, you can't just. I'm just gonna get my base excited because even if you got your base maximum 100 percent excited. You can't get there. Right. Because – and also not to mention the things that get your base that excited are going to upset all the other people that you need to get there. And um, those people are already pretty upset, right? So the, again, lots of different ways we can get there in terms of the polling to figure out you know, how people view all this. And for example, the USA Today did a poll. Um, a poll with something called – iMedia Ethics. Yeah. I what know, is iMedia Ethics? I don't know. They they wrote like a whole piece though, a kind of a historical piece, which we'll link to in the show notes as always, comparing like past impeachment ratings and like what all the, you know, making a little bit more sense of it all. Um, but what was pretty, what made a lot of news from this poll is that Americans were split 42-42 on whether Trump should be removed from office. Um, and then... Seven in ten Democrats say he should be impeached. Thirty-six percent of independents, fifteen percent of Republicans. I feel like we've seen that number like that fifteen percent in another poll, roughly. I mean, that's pretty darn high with your own party six months in. Um, and then comparison in two thousand fourteen, a third of those surveyed by CNN said Barack Obama should be impeached. Sixty-five percent said he shouldn't. And then going back to two thousand six, thirty percent said George W. Bush should be impeached. So these numbers are high. Compared to past uh, recent presidents, um, and then they asked another question: Whatever your views of Donald Trump, what do you think about his chances of serving out the four years of his current term? And I was playing, I was playing this game with Kristen earlier. I played this game with my husband when I put together the script. I'm like, okay, guess how many per- what percent you think say this? This is you know, it's like a reverse Family Feud. Well, yeah, no, it's not really. And it's yeah. like, you know, hot and heavy games in Tacoma Park. What percent of Americans, honey, do you think think <laughs> it'll definitely – Trump will definitely complete his four-year term? <laughs> that's, our, that's our dinner conversation. And um, he, he did a pretty decent job at this. But anyway, about uh, – so what was it? 36 percent do not expect him to finish his term for whatever reason. One in four say they're they're very confident he's going to finish his four-year term. Um, one in ten Republicans doubt he's going to finish his term. So, yeah. So that's like – that's not so great, obviously. This is like not good news. Um, and had you – I feel like you were – before we walked in here, you would read me a question about what percentage of people would think it would be appropriate or inappropriate for him to fire yeah. Mueller. So that's next – 22% say appropriate, 48% say inappropriate, 30% say don't know. Probably they're like, what are you talking about, right? Because we'll look at as, the news quiz as later. As we'll talk later. Not everybody – some people think Sean Spicer is leading the investigation into <laughs> Donald Trump. They might right. not be wrong. Maybe that 10% knows something we don't. Right. I, uh, but so this, I had a Twitter exchange over the weekend where somebody had asked me, 
um, what per- if you did a poll, what percentage of Republicans do you think would probably say it's acceptable for or appropriate for Trump to fire Mueller? And I guess around like 30, which is a little low. It seems if the answer here in these crosstabs is 37 percent of Republicans say that it is uh, appropriate to a do slim so. slim plurality, 37 percent appropriate, 34 percent don't know, 29 percent inappropriate. And you had Tim Miller who then uh, quipped back, well, it's 30 percent now, but it'll be 70 to 80 percent when he does it. And it was like, zing, zing, that's actually <laughs> probably right. That was good. I I can't argue with that. I bet you if this happens, if Trump does fire Mueller, you will find no more than a third of Republicans saying they think it's a problem. Well, we'll see. Can we talk about time, beer soon? Time will tell. <laughs> Never too early talk to start talking about beer, beer and wine. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so then some other questions. So again, like, look, we could have talked about health care, but the, the, most of the polling going on right now reflects all of this craziness. It doesn't reflect policy. People who are wondering why isn't the media talking more about policy, polling doesn't reflect policy. The polling reflects this stuff. And so whether this is, you know, which comes first, that the media wants to talk about this, so they tell their polling outlets, I need more polling questions on, you know, how Trump is doing, you know, what happens if Trump fires this person, or how do Republicans in Congress feel about Trump, or how do people feel about impeachment? Is that what the press wants to hear or is that what people want to talk about? You know, we don't know, but that's the like the bulk of the polling, public polling right now is about this kind of political nuttiness that's going on more than some of the policy. Um, so Morning Consult Politico asked some questions that we thought were pretty interesting. Do you believe Republicans in Congress respect President Trump? They have four. One was respect. Do you believe Republicans in Congress fear President Trump? Do you believe Republicans in Congress listen to President Trump? Do you believe Republicans in Congress want to work with President Trump? So three different versions, not like vastly different responses to any of them. You know, I'm not totally convinced that voters can, you know, have enough information about how Republicans in Congress feel about President Trump to be able to respond. You know, this is just the perception like how, you know, this to answer these questions with some like factual knowledge, you'd need to be watching a heck of a lot of television, right? So, um, so I, you know, so I don't know, right? It's probably why some of these answers are, are fairly similar, but there's still some interesting questions, you know, subgroup breakouts. What did you think when you looked at these? Uh, so I, I think it's funny to look at the partisan breakouts, as you might imagine. So do you believe Republicans in Congress respect President Trump? Republicans are much more likely than Democrats to say yes to that question. Only 16 percent of Democrats think Republicans in Congress respect him, whereas 38 percent of Republicans do think that the GOP in Congress respects Trump. But then when you say, do they fear President Trump, then it flips. Democrats go from 16 percent thinking that they respect him to 43 percent thinking that they fear him, where for Republicans, the number actually drops. 38 percent think they respect him, but only 30 percent think that they fear him. So Republicans think that Congress is doing what – well, and this is not majorities, by the way. Only 38 percent of Republicans think their own party in Congress respects the president, which is not a ton – but it, I think that the partisan switch off based on what term you use, fear versus respect is pretty – that amused me. Right. And then, you know, they are, there's also uh, want to work with – you believe Republicans in Congress want to work with President Trump. And that's the one where Republicans are most likely to say yes, but still just 47 percent. It's not even half of Republicans feel that Republicans in Congress 
want to work with President Trump. Um, you don't see, I mean, you see some, you know, party differences also in listen to where more Republicans think that Republicans in Congress listen to President Trump than Democrats. Um, in all of these, there are some gender by party breakouts because remember Morning Consult releases all the crosstabs and Republican men are more likely to feel that the Republicans in Congress X with President Trump, you know, blank um, than Republican women. Um, it's It's pretty interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know what this means, right, or this is just the beginning of how do we figure out the answers to these questions about how voters are going to view the Republican members in Congress based on their interaction with Trump, what they're doing, how whether they're avoiding him, whether they're signing off on his agenda, whether they're like, I agree with his agenda but not with his tweets or whatever way Republicans are trying to figure out how to nuance that, which is like an impossible Task. That's why you're hearing reports of members just like running away from reporters and not wanting to answer their questions. I mean, because there's frustration in the party among folks who like Trump who think Congress should be helping President Trump implement his agenda. Why are they not? Right? Like, why are they right. doing nothing? Trump's right. president, he wants to do stuff. These Republicans in Congress, they're supposed to be in his own party and they're not even helping him. Like, that's a thing that right. I've heard in focus groups yep. that shows up in. T- um, but then, so if you are not. 100 percent on the Trump train, then like do Republican voters go like, you guys are useless. I'm tired of sending you to Washington for you to not do anything. You, I gave you a Republican president. You still didn't do anything. So screw you guys. But if you're too Trumpy, then the majority, which disapproves of him. Like, how can you stand with that guy? What is wrong with you? So that's that is the fun that these members are all experiencing as they head home for August recess. Yeah. Right, I know, right? I um, I uh, don't envy those. The, so, yeah, spare a thought for them this August. Not fun. Yeah, they're going to need to take a walk in the sunflowers to kind of decompress, <laughs> right? Um, Shirtless I mean- chugging of a bottle of wine. <laughs> just like see like Trey Gowdy doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that wasn't just some like 22-year-old. <laughs> that was really like a member of Congress. It was just like, I can't take it. Hopefully no one recognizes me here in the Mickey Besher's sunflower field. Um, so then, meanwhile, maybe there's something that people can agree on, like who won the election? Oh, wait, hold on. So this is also no. more Martin Consult Politico. Um where they asked two questions based on what you know, who received the most votes from the general population in the 2016 general election. 59% said Clinton, 28% said Trump among Republicans. About half of Republicans said Trump won the popular vote. Now, just to be a little fair, it doesn't say popular vote in that question wording. It says from the general population. So it's quite possible that people did not know what that was referring to. Um, that said, when the they asked a, a second question or an additional question, we don't know what order they were in. Um, based on what you know, who received the most votes from the Electoral College? There, 72% said Trump, although 14% said Clinton. A quarter of Democrats said Clinton won the Electoral College. Everybody wants to root for the home team. Yeah. You could also argue, if I really wanted to get persnickety. Yes. Tyler, sorry. Yes. <laughs> this is my – I'm sorry, Tyler. I love you. No, this is this is good. This is, I, this, is a, uh, this is a perfectly valid way to ask this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can see being a Democrat and arguing Hillary Clinton won the most votes yes. from states who are in the Electoral College because all states are in the – 
right, right. Like you're gonna have to really bend over backwards to justify. But but certainly the the knowledge gap problem is bigger with Republicans thinking Trump won the popular vote than it is with Democrats thinking Hillary Clinton won the Electoral College. Right, right. Um, And. You know, you could explain a little bit of it because the phrase popular vote is not in that question. It's probably more likely that it's just been this drumbeat of news and insanity, right, than than that little nuance. Um, So speaking of partisanship, Pew did a cheerful study about a variety of partisanship and activism and so on. So one thing that they found, which I think is pretty – is pretty interesting and is consistent with all the public – talk that's happened is that um, uh, women say they're paying increased attention to politics. That's that's new. Um, so people who are say they're paying more attention to politics since Donald Trump's election, 58% of women say that compared to 46% of men. That's like a really, you know, a pretty large gap. Um, 15% of people have said they have attended a political event or protest since the election. Um you know, Democratic women are far more likely to be attentive to politics than than even Democratic men. Republican women are more attentive than Republican men. Um, You have quite a few Democratic women who say they've gone to protest. So it's 15% overall among among Democratic women. It's 25%, which is pretty high. So that's quite a big gender gap. And they also asked a question about, do you believe it is either frustrate, stressful and frustrating or interesting and informative to talk about politics with people who have a different opinion of Donald Trump? And on most part, uh, 59% say it is stressful and frustrating. 35% think that it is interesting and informative. Interestingly, so like the age difference and the party difference don't really line up, which is mm-hmm. super fascinating mm-hmm. to me. So normally, you know, these things all run together, right? Uh, older voters, more more Republican, more male. Younger voters, more Democratic, you know, what have you. Um, so you normally, you know, a Republican subsample is going to be more male, more white, more old, a Democratic subsample, more young, uh, more women, etc. And yet here it is more uh, men and Republicans are more likely to think it's interesting and informative to talk to somebody else about Trump who disagrees with them. But it's also younger people. 18 to 29 is the age group that finds it the most interesting and informative to talk to people who think the mm-hmm. other way on about mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks who are older, less so. I wonder if Can't panel- it be all four? Can't it be all four? Yeah, I guess it's true, right? All of the above. You're for all of the above kind of thing. Um but it's interesting. Maybe their panel, because they have Republicans who say it's more interesting and informative. Democrats who are mar- much more likely to say it's stressful and frustrating. So you would expect the younger sample. Yeah. So to I don't know the way. What, if there's some kind of interaction going in there or going on in there, or is their panel the younger people in the panel are more Republican? We don't know the answer to that. Um, also, white. Voters among Democrats, this is among Democrats, white Democrats find it a lot more stressful than black and Hispanic Democrats, which is interesting. And it does mirror, honestly, the looking at who's participated in protests. And it does mirror what we were talking about Cornell's study last week, Cornell Belcher's study for Civic Engagement Fund that they had like a lot of African-American voters saying like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm frustrated by where the parties are. So 
that's probably yeah, this that's is, consistent with that that's finding. That's what Patrick Ruffini at my firm found when he was looking at the voter files about upticks in turnout and like where surges in turnout came in these special elections. And it was upscale Democratic enclaves. So it's it is, you know, folks with graduate degrees and stuff like that. Like that's the type of people that are energized right now, but that's not the whole Democratic Party yeah, or Democratic base. Yep, yep, yep. Hey there, neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, Tacoma Park. All right. So the then this other question, which is also consistent with past Pew data from the election cycle, does um, where Clinton voters were more upset about their friends and networks who were voting for Trump than Trump voters were about people voting for Clinton. And the, this new data, which is asked the question a little bit differently, finds something very similar. Um, so Democrats, over a third of Democrats say it would put a strain on their relationship if they had a friend who voted for Trump. Um, among Republicans, only 13 percent say it would be a strain on their friendship if they had a friend who voted for Hillary Clinton. So there is this. This is some – I mean there are a variety of ways to look at this. One way is, you know, Democrats say that Republicans are exclusionary, but it's really Democrats who are like really exclusionary by saying I can't can't even be friends with somebody who voted for Donald Trump. The other side is like, hey, this guy is like – has historically low ratings. He's breaking every norm. You know, half of you know voters divided on whether or not he should be impeached. Like, yeah, we're mad. You know, that's just how that's just how it's going to be. We have every right to be mad. So um, that's two ways of looking at these numbers. But it's clear this is not just this poll. Lots of polls have shown that Democrats are having a harder time than Republicans. And it also could just be with the third way is like when you win, you don't have you know the same kind of hang up as opposed to the folks who were in the losing party. So the uh, – but there's there is also data here that suggests there may be less of a divide than, than we think. So most people, both Republicans and Democrats, uh, believe that folks from the other party uh, share – most of their values and goals. Um, the question was asked, uh, though they feel differently about politics, members of the other party probably don't share or do share many of my other values and goals. 56% of Republicans say that about Democrats. 59% of Democrats say that about Republicans. So the numbers are fairly similar hmm. and it's healthy majorities on both sides. Yeah. It's okay. not 100%. Maybe I'm looking at this glass half full. Yeah. But. No, that's good. And it's, you know, it, among Democrats – these numbers actually have improved over previous years. Among Republicans, the numbers are really aren't even that different, ultimately, from past years. Um, there were some other numbers that Pew's done has done that have shown a lot worse, a much wor- more worsening trend, like mm-hmm. the percent who are very unfavorable toward the other party going just, you know, through the roof, that kind of thing. If you look at this particular metric, that's probably – this is probably one of the best – metrics about bipartisanship that's out there. Yeah, and <laughs> it's it, the only like it's one of the in, only in 2007 it was majorities of each yeah. party saying the other side didn't share their values. Like yikes. So the idea that we are in on this one metric less divided than we were 10 years ago is astonishing. Okay, well we'll we'll move on from that that good high high note there. That one little silver lining. News quiz. Quiz time. <laughs> Everybody get excited. It's, tri- it's trivia night with Kristen and Margie. So, it's not trivia. It's things like who's running major allies and 
who's on the Supreme Court. Um, Somebody said that they liked the idea of a segment where Margie and Kristen do online quizzes in real time. So, <laughs> so this isn't quite it's the doldrums of summer. You might get your wish. I, I know, right? So yeah, occasionally when times are slow, we look at like BuzzFeed quizzes. But this was Pew had a news quiz that you can take and see how you stack up compared to America. And the news quiz, you know, they tried to have a couple tough questions, but it was not super, super tough. It's not like going to trivia night where you're like, you got to be kidding me. Yep. Uh, last time I was at a trivia night, I was really ashamed because one of the questions for like the bonus round was like, name the heads of all four houses in Harry Potter. And this is a piece of information that I know. It's buried somewhere yeah. in the file folders of my brain. Yeah. But like I got to dust off a lot of things yeah. and like shove some piles aside to get to it. And I eventually got there, but I could not remember the name. Um, so there – I could not remember Salazar Slytherin. Mm. And I was like – so I haven't been to Trivia Night since like – that embarrassing, like humiliating that humiliating moment, moment <laughs> of not remembering the head of House Slytherin. Yeah. Found, well, founder of House Slytherin. That sorry. question is not in this news quiz, so maybe that's why you scored a perfect score. We both scored perfect scores. It went, you know, I think maybe the hardest, let's see, which is the one that fewest people got right? Oh, the current president of France. That one was hard. And then the only, national only thirty seven percent of people got that one right, and national unemployment rate only thirty seven percent of people got that. right. That's interesting because those are two different. Like people come to the wrong answer for two different reasons. Like one, Macron actually hasn't been the president of France for that long, and lots of people don't follow what's going on in international affairs. You probably have a lot of people in the unemployment rate kind of thinking things are worse than they are for polit- based on their political identification. But this was multiple choice, by the way. I think we yep. should also mention we weren't asking people to like open ends, you know, crawl back through their memory banks and like dredge up the last BLS, you know, release, right? Yep. Like it was, is it four, seven, or 12, 12 or 15 yeah. percent, you know? So just by random chance, you would expect 25 percent of people to get these yep. right. So yep. like 37 percent is actually more like really not good when you think about the fact that. Just the random chance a quarter of people should have clicked yep. the right answer. Yeah. And then there were two questions that people did quite well. One is about what um, – how can people get Zika? That one, 86% got right. And then – The water in Flint, Michigan. Water in Flint, Michigan. Yeah, 72%. So and public then, health, way more popular than like naming heads of state and – pieces of government data. And who is leading the Justice Department investigation in Russia? 47% got Robert Mueller. Um, But there was – so they break it out by gender and party and education level and age. And I thought what was interesting, one, there's hardly any difference by party in your answers to these questions. Um, Even on the unemployment rate, actually. So I could take back what I said before. Unemployment rate, the similar numbers got that right. Um, but there is a, a gender gap that goes away on the health, public health questions, but is there on the political questions where men are doing a little bit better than women? Um, the only question where young people knew more than older people was the president of France question, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Macron. It's got to be all the memes, all the bromance memes of him and Trudeau. It's funny because Trudeau is one of the options in that answer category. Which I know is sort of like an amateur collector of Justin Trudeau <laughs> ephemera. <laughs> I, 
anyway, Macron just doesn't, doesn't do it for me the way Justin Trudeau Oh, I'm, I'm way more team Macron. <laughs> way more. I mean, like, there's... There's such there's such a long long you know drop from Justin Trudeau to like any head of state for me. <laughs> oh, see, but and then I was fangirling Macron on this on this yes, show yes. like six months ago, yes. and maybe that's why I like him so much because it's like the I I got a prediction right. Yes, and I'm I'm just clinging to it. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. Um, okay, so moving on, Let's talk about beer yes. and wine and liquor. Um, so News this drive is polling. I think Gallup. Gallup does this about once a year, right? This data goes back a while. Yeah. So Gallup, you know, Gallup does these like various kinds of, you know, polls that they do on a regular basis. And then they release them over a couple different points in time. So last week we talked about like a discrimination again based on weight versus smoking. So I think this is part of the same group of stuff because they also have questions on marijuana use and – um. Which but we're is. not going to give you numbers in the way that last time we talked about pot numbers on the show when it was the chart that like made no oh, yeah. sense. Like when was the last time you smoked marijuana? <laughs> and like one of the options was 1997. <laughs> and that was like its own slice on the pie. Like that chart just made no sense. Oh, that was so was good. Great. That was so good. No, they found a record high in the percentage of people who had tried pot, which of course will make sense because it's being legalized a lot That's of places. That's right. So record high and getting high according to Gallup and then – the other question they had, what's your fate? Do you most often drink liquor, wine, or beer? And so they asked, you know, about variety of, you know, the three different categories. And beer is still the winner. There hasn't been a lot of movement here. I mean, Bill, beer is still, despite all this, like, rosé all day and, like, you know, pe- millennials are changing wine drinking and blah, blah, blah. Like, wine is still basically holding steady at around 30%. But there are big gaps uh, demographically, as you might imagine. So, well, first of all, so wine has only had a heyday once, and that was around the mid-aughts, around the time that that movie Sideways came out. Like oh, that, right, right. that was the one time that wine surpassed beer on this chart going back all the way to the early 90s. Um, but for beer, it is more of a male thing. 62% of men say they prefer beer. For women, it's only 19%. Where wine, it runs the other way. 50% of women say they prefer wine, whereas only 11% of men say that wine is preferred more among college-educated adults, beer among the less educated. So your stereotypes of like Olivia Pope from Scandal, educated, like wearing her wine cardigan with like a huge glass of wine in her hand versus Homer Simpson with his duff beer, like Sometimes stereotypes are are real for a reason. Yeah, I guess the data says that, and I say this as a woman who I reach for beer more than wine, usually. Yeah, it's like not even. So I'm weird. It's not even a contest. Well, like I'd rather, I'd pretty much <laughs> rather drink water than. But than I, beer. I I don't live too too far away from that rose garden, so I've been like thinking about like hmm, maybe this weekend I'll. Wander over there and explore. Maybe yeah. I can be converted. There are two, right? There's one by the water mm-hmm. and then there's another one someplace else that I don't know where the other one is, like 14th Street somewhere mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, I walked by. I had a go – I went to a twin two-year-old party at that water park thing right by the Rosé Garden and I was with my children who were like, you know, sopping wet 
like lunatics, you know, <laughs> and I had to go with one of them to the restroom and I was like walked by the wine garden. I'm like, oh, that's where the rosé garden is. I'm like, I can't go there now. <laughs> I like, looked at it like, I will come back for you, rosé garden. An oasis in the desert. This is, right. This is not that time. <laughs> um, okay. So what did we learn this week? Here's what we learned. Off year is a particularly apt expression for 2017. Sorry, we don't have a segment on health care polling this week. Once we know what's in the bill, maybe there will be some detailed polling on it. And if you're still looking for ways to recover from the election, maybe suggest some wine over beer. The polling suggests wine needs all the help it can get. And when you're ready for a safe space for bipartisan friendship, maybe suggest introducing a friend to the pollsters. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Case Oltis Anderson. On Facebook, we post links throughout the week to stories we think are interesting and might want to talk about on the upcoming show. We also have www.thepollsters.com where we have links to all of our favorite polling resources. Don't forget, tell your friends, leave reviews. We love hearing from you. Tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Thanks. Bye. When we listen to the radio, we never agree on the station. Classic rock. Hip hop. Pop. Guys, quiet. The one thing we do agree on, we all want an awesome free phone. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four free phones of your choice from brands you love, like Samsung, Motorola, and LG when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Free phone requires port. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.